This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. What is your name? How you doing, Chris? I'm Kenny J from New Jersey. What would you say is your primary role in the line dance community? To unite people from all walks of life in line dancing. Wow. And how do you do that? So I have an organization that's I Am Kenny J Productions. And one of the things I found is... What we do, it's got to be more than just the dance. It's about giving back to the community. It's about taking people from all walks of life, bringing them together and giving them something, making them feel welcome, making them feel special, making them feel like they are a part of things. And we do that with line dancing as the basis. But then again, that's just the basis. The whole idea, the whole concept is to unite them and give them back something. And what is it that, that uh, you've found that you've given people through line dance? Well, there are some tangible things. For instance, we, um, I guess the thing that I'm most proud of is my organization, I Am Kenny J. Every year we give a scholarship. We have a scholarship fund that we give to, and we try to give it to people that are somehow related to line dancing. So it could be a line dancer's niece or daughter or something that matters. It doesn't necessarily have, necessarily have to be that line dancer, but somehow we want to tie it to the line dancing world so that we can feel like we're giving back to that specific community. But then every month, we have actually two dances on the first and third weekend of the month, and we typically have uh, different drives, i.e. in December, we have a, a toy and gift drive. In uh, January, we have a coat drive. In November, we have a food drive. We have a um, book drive. Various things that we give back to the community, and, and, and that's specific to the community in which we live in. So, again, there are tangible things. And then there's this thing that I also like to look at and and, and it's really it, it, it hits to my heart because you never know what people are going through mm. and when people come into this line dance world again they're coming from all walks of lives and, and they're doing different things and they're going through different things and this is a stress reliever it is a it is a motivator at the same time because you get people come in and what I really grab a hold of is when I see that person that's shy don't believe in themselves they're lo- lacking that confidence when they first come in, they're in the back, don't want anyone to see them. And then when I see them come to the front of the line and calling out the steps themselves, that motivates them to build up their confidence because whatever they were going through in the beginning, now they feel like they can conquer that and they can go through that with a better attitude and, and kind of like sort of be on top of things. And I attribute it to the line dancing because they come in thinking they can get it. And once they get it, they have this inner thought that, you know what, if I can do this, I can do anything. And, and I see that in a lot of people. So that's that thing that I feel that we give them, we give the general population, the general public that's not non-tangible, that there's just like the inner thing, that, that motivation, that confidence builder. And I see that because I, in New, I'm in New Jersey and I have classes all up and down New Jersey and hundreds of people and come in with, again, all from all different um, walks of life, all different types of problems, different levels. And, and they all, the only difference between me and them and you and I is how long it takes us to get the dance. We, and the eventuality is we're all going to get it. And once they get that attitude, they can accomplish anything. And what is it that you personally do to create that environment of support and encouragement that brings the person from the back to the front of the... the Two things. Well, I'm going to talk about it from me personally. Like in my class, the whole idea is to not make people feel intimidated, to, to make them feel like they're a part of it, to make them feel like... Ain't nobody watching you or care that you mess up or you miss a step. It's all about fun. If they get that in their head, that it's all about fun. And my job is to make sure they have fun. 
And with that, my job is to make sure that they feel just as important as the next person or the next person, including myself. They're just as important as, important as I. Then within my organization, while I'm the CEO of the organization, I have to make them feel like it is their organization. They are empowered. So it's not just my way. It's like, let's do this with a collaborative effort. Let's you have to feel like you belong and not just belong. You have to feel like you're relevant, like there's a relevance to why you're here. And once I can get that thought prior to the dance, to teaching the dance, I want to get here, get in their heads and make them feel like, you know what? I can do this. This is mine. I'm taking ownership. I'm part owner of it. And when they feel that way, then they're willing and able to do anything. So it's all about making people feel like they're just as important as the next person. You know, I I see when people come in, especially when they come in and they're kind of struggling with the dance, they're going to be intimidated. But once they get that thought process that, you know what? I'm just as good as this lady that I'm dancing next to. Now, here's the difference. You see someone over here doing advanced dances and they're spinning and turning and jumping and they're so energetic. What that advanced dancer at sometimes fail to realize is this beginner dancer that's over here and he or she does just one little turn. They're having just as much fun as this person over here. And once people realize the fun level is the same, you might be doing the dance differently, but the fun level is the same. Then we're all on the same playing field. And and that's my objective is to put everyone on the same playing field, the same level. They get that. It's a piece of cake. Having been to the Kenny J. Power Hour this weekend, having had no soul line dance experience uh, prior, uh, getting in the door and and, uh, taking the lessons, I was pretty well sold. When you are starting beginners out for the first time, how do you get them through the door to begin with? How do you encourage people who think that they aren't dancers to at least give it a try? Well, now... You mentioned the power hour. So that was, is a little different than how we do it at home. Mm-hmm. That was more of a, let me introduce you to yes. what we do. So it was like a quick, okay, let's do this one, let's do that one, let's do this one. Now, when I first started my beginner's class, so we might do six dances. Now, my thought process is still not to teach you one dance. Like, let's say the class is an hour. My objective is not to teach you one dance but to familiarize you with as many dances as possible. And the reason for that is quite often I'll see people that will come to a line dance event and they'll know one dance and they'll know it inside and out. So they'll get on the floor, they'll do that one dance, and then they have to sit down the rest of the night. And that's no fun. So my job is to familiarize you with as many dances as possible. So then you can come to a line dance event and get on the floor, and you might not know it, but I've always told people, listen, you're in class. Here in class, you're going to get familiarized with the dance. At the event itself, that's where you're going to learn the dance. So the more dances they're familiarized with when they go to an event, the more dances they're going to learn. So then in that particular class, there's more emphasis on the steps. There's more emphasis on the breakdown. All right, here we go. The first eight beats. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The right foot on count one is going to go here. So it's more like that. And I always look at it, particularly in a new class, there's three levels. There are three groups of people in that class. You have that person that's just struggling, that's having a hard time. Then on this end of the spectrum, you have that person that no matter what you show them, they get it and they want to move on and move on. That number's always small. This number's always small. In the middle, you have the majority of the folks. 
I teach towards the middle. Those people in here, because what happens, this person is so anxious and so ready to move on. This person is, can you slow it down? Can you slow it down? Because this person over here is so anxious to move on, he then comes around here and helps this person. And then now everyone is gravitating towards the center. If you spend too much time with this person, you're going to lose them. If you spend too much time with that person, you're going to lose them. So I utilized, in other words, the whole class. I utilized all the skill sets that I have in a class and sort of like put them together and make them work together. So in that class, again, the, the key to it is finding out... First thing I do is assess the class. Okay, can they do this? Can they do that? Okay, I see I'm going to have this person over here, this person. Assess them. Like I said, there's three different groups. Find out where everyone is. And then find out who you're going to teach to. Find out how you can utilize the class to help each other. And again, key to it is making sure that those folks feel like they belong and they're important. Another thing I do, um, my organization, I have other instructors. The thing I tell them, what's even more important than learning the dance and knowing how to teach the dance is the rapport you establish with your clientele. If as an instructor, you can walk in that class and you have established a good rapport, they believe in you, they trust you, they like what you're doing, you can make, make a mistake, mess up. Hey guys, the step goes to the right. Come back next week and say, oh, I told you wrong. I told you to go right. It should have gone left. If you've established a good rapport with them, they're going to say, oh, don't worry about it, Kenny. We're going to go left. But if you as an instructor, you have that mindset that you're God's gift to this thing and you're bigger and better than everyone else. If you make that mistake and try to come back next week, they're not going to accept it. Oh, he don't know what he's doing. So as long as we establish a rapport with each other, the student and the instructor, it's a piece of cake. And how did you develop your, your social skill set that makes you so fluid and easy with uh, complete strangers to your class? You know, people who, uh, like myself, were there for the first time that you, you were able to talk with as though you're old friends. I, I think a lot of it has to do with my military background. I'm a um, retired Army and um, was a drill sergeant. So as a drill sergeant, I really strive on and and, and I get a personal benefit from training people. I, I loved it. And, you know, p- most people hear drill sergeant, they think, oh, you, rah, rah, rah. but as a drill sergeant, and also when I was in the military, I was a, what's considered as a first sergeant of a drill sergeant unit. And my thing with my drill sergeants that were under me, before you can correct a soldier, you must have trained a soldier. Because you, you get some drill sergeants that have this attitude that, oh, it's Meat time, I'm just going to chop them up. Get down, prophet, knock it out, knock it out. But before you can discipline them and jump on them, I want you to have trained them. And, and from the military, I learned that how to, you can imagine, in the military, you got people coming from all over. So you have to be able to work with different kinds of people from all over. And, and, and again, when you look at training, you have to learn different um, learning, learning styles. There are different learning styles. You have to look at folks and, and determine, does this person learn from actual movement? Does this person learn from listening? You, you assess that. And I think I got a lot of that from the military that transitioned over into this world. Also, I think um, in college, I, I pledged a fraternity. So there's a lot of like brotherhood kind of attitude within the fraternity. I think that transition, I, I was able to bring that into what I do here also. So I think my background, my history lends to where I am now with the line dancing.
And had line dance always been involved in your life in the background, or was this something you discovered afterward? I actually went out one night, and I, you know, I, I always thought I could dance. I went out one night and saw all these people doing the same thing, and I'm like, what in the world is that? So I thought I was a pretty good dancer. So by the time I got on the floor, picked up the dance, they were on to another one. I said, whoa. Then took me a minute. By the time I got that one, I got one rotation in. They were on to another one. I said, okay, wait a minute. With no disrespect to anyone on the floor, I started looking around. I said, wait a minute. If he can do this, if she can do this, they got to be learning. I know I can do this. And, you know, I didn't know them. And again, with no disrespect, but my whole thought was, if all these people in here can do this, I know I can do this. So they introduced me to this guy in the Philadelphia area. Again, I'm from New Jersey and South Jersey. And what we do in terms of line dancing, we relate it to the Philadelphia style line dancing. There's a gentleman, God rest, bless his soul. He just passed a couple of years ago. His name is Dave Bush. We recognize him as the godfather of line dancing in our world. So he was at this particular event that night I went there and somebody said, that guy right there, you need to know him. Went over to him and um, he actually told me where some classes were. And he had, at the time I'll call it the elite line dancers. And he had his own group. It was called the Dave Bush Dancers. As a matter of fact, you met another gentleman here this weekend. His name is Ed Williams. He too is one of the, he was a Dave Bush dancer. And I was fortunate enough to be one of the Dave Bush dancers. So, again, Dave Bush had this elite group. He was the godfather of line dancing. He brought me in as a dancer. He brought Ed Williams and a couple other elite um, line dancers. And we kind of owe it all to him because he kind of got it started. I found out where his class was. I started with him. And then so that was in Philadelphia. It wasn't too big in New Jersey. I said, oh, I can do this in New Jersey. I took it back. I started a class. And that led to me teaching every night of the week and sometimes two days a week, uh, twice, I'm sorry, twice a day. And, and it, I had that fever. I was like, oh, I got to do this. I got to learn everything. I got to learn everything. And then, again, I was in the military. I went to Iraq and I got a different vibe. I saw a whole different attitude. I came back. I said, it's not just about dance. Because, you know, people in Iraq were struggling. It was, I saw malnutrition cows. So I was like, oh, there's more to life. So when I came back, I had this whole attitude about giving back. And that's when I started my social club, the I Am Kenny J Productions Social Club, since 2006. And I made it my mission to teach people to dance in order to give back to the community. So, hmm. Now, in your community... Is line dance considered a normal thing? Because, uh, like in other places, you know, it, it, you know people would would say like you know, two stepping is what's normal, or West Coast swing is what's normal, and line dance is this other side marginalized things. Whereas in other communities, line dance is the normal thing, and if you don't line dance, well, you're the odd one, like because everyone line dances. Where would you say it falls in your area? I, I would say there's an equality there. Mm -hmm. I will tell you early on in, in the urban dance world, mm -hmm. there are various styles of partner dance depending upon where you're from. In Philadelphia, that's what's known as the Philadelphia bop. And it's a form of and, and all of them is, is a form of the swing dance. The Philadelphia bop is really along the lines of the East Coast swing. In Detroit, they do what's called the urban ballroom. In Chicago, they do what's called Chicago Stepping. In D.C., this is called D.C. Hand Dance. And it's primarily partner dancing. But if you, if you ever get out and you see it, there's a tendency to be a shortage of men. Mm 
-hmm. So you have all these women and, and they're not getting asked to dance. So again, in the Philadelphia area, Dave Bush, he started this line dancing thing for us in the Philadelphia area. And a lot of women started gravitating towards the line dancing because they would go to these other dances and they didn't get to dance as much. Now the line dancing has grown so much, so you'll get to maybe a ballroom class or a hand dance class, and you'll have the women asking, hey, do you know that line dance, X, Y, Z, A, B, C? Can you teach us that? So these folks have sort of incorporated that into their, their classrooms too. On the other hand, those styles of dancers, those things are, are, are huge. So there are some that will just don't want the line dancing. So it's, it's so big. But you'll have a room of partner dancing over here, and you'll have another room just as big of line dancing. So at one time, I thought I would say that line dancing was the other dance, the other style of dance. And I think even to the extent that some people didn't give it the respect that it deserves. Oh, that ain't dancing. You guys just jumping around. But then at one, at one time, I did what I called the line dance story. And what I did, what I wanted to show is where people get line dances from. And the whole idea was to say, hey, a line dance has the Philadelphia bop, it has the Chicago step, it has salsa moves, it has all different styles of dancing. So if you take a line dancer that can dance, he's familiar with all the styles of dancing where you take someone in your world, you might just be familiar with this, that one style. And again, I think at this day and age, line dancing has just grown so widely. And I think uh, another thing that's happened we see the different styles of line dancing. And here, we look at this as progressive line dancing. Maybe six or seven years ago, you wouldn't have seen soul line dancing. And I'll give this to Jen. She brought me in, and now we're seeing this integration of soul line dancing and progressive line dancing. And, and when you really think about it, we're all doing the same thing. If at some point it's just going to be called line dancing, it's not going to be soul line dancing, it's not going to be progressive, it's not going to be country and western. At some point, it's just going to be line dancing, and everybody's buying into it. When I first started, the norm was 35 to 45 year old women. Now we have line dancers with seniors, we have kids getting into it. In my world, even though it's soul line dancing, there's a diverse group of folks. There's Asians, there's white folk, there are black folk, there are young folk, big folk, little folk, tall folk, short folk. It is one diverse group of people, and what we do is line dance. How are the line dances um, spread in your community? Uh, I know that uh, Copernob and, and uh, Line Dancer Web and Kick It, they're all ways of... Um, sharing step sheets and whatnot. I don't know if I've ever seen a soul line dance step sheet. I'm wondering... You, you probably, you've probably seen a step sheet, but you probably have not seen a step sheet written by someone that choreographed a line. And I, I'll, I'll tell you this, um, a little example. Um, back in 2000, maybe 2003 or 2004, I created a, choreographed a line dance called Mr. Lover. Hmm. And I posted it on YouTube. And I'll go on YouTube and I see that dance done in Malaysia. I see it done in Sweden, all over the place. And someone wrote me and they, they said, hey, Kenny J, I love this dance. Can you write a step sheet? Now, in our world, to be quite honest with you, I wasn't totally familiar with a step sheet, but I'm hearing a step sheet. Of course I can write a step sheet. I can tell you what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I wrote what I thought I was doing and sent it to him. And he says, oh, my God. 
this is confusing. I don't know it even more now. And then a young lady named Winnie Wu, I think it was. Mm. Winnie Wu, she wrote a step sheet, sent it to me, says, is this it? And I'm like, I don't know, but I think it is. I said, yeah, she posted it. And that's when I saw all these people on YouTube doing a dance based off of the step sheet that she wrote for my dance. And, and my case in point is, we don't typically write step sheets. Mm. One of the things we're doing now is sort of uniting the, the dance jogging. So we have our terminology and then other, and the dance world has its terminology. What I'm trying to do now is link or, or translate, in other words, when we say a Sharon, what are you talking about or what are we talking about in this world so that people can understand? So basic, basically speaking, if, if I can find someone to translate what we're doing or if we can translate it ourselves, what we're doing, then we can write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at different ways that we can bring the step sheet into our world. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I've talked to Jen about this. Maybe at one of our, our events, she's going to come in and do a workshop on how to write a step sheet. We, step sheet, we do have some folks that are migrating that direction now, trying to incorporate the step sheet in our world. But typically, we don't do it. Another case in point, we have this dance. It's called Terminal Reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube. I saw it uh, when you guys demoed it. Oh, yes, we yeah. did it. Yes. And um, someone asked for a step sheet for that. So, woo Someone from here, I think, wrote a step sheet. That must have been like 100 page, pages long or something. I'm like, wow. So, so that's something that I think we're going to get to. But right now, the way we get dances, the way, and more to your question, mm-hmm. the way we get dances going around is, is YouTube, mm-hmm. Facebook. The various groups in, in our community, we have, most of them have their own little Facebook page. When they have a dance, they post it out there. But then we also, similar to this, we have weekend events, and we'll invite the different instructors from different um, communities, similar to this, to come in and teach their latest dances. So there's very much similarity to what's going here. There's that type of sharing. And then with the evolving Facebook and YouTube, we're able to unite big time. So. Okay. so it's more of like an organic, like face-to-face, in-person transmission of information. Absolutely. More, more like... Um, like the the form of storytelling that happened back in the day, where you know things were passed down from person to person and uh, and spread throughout the community that way, as opposed to writing it and then you know putting it up on the shelf somewhere and maybe somebody comes and looks at it, maybe they don't. Absolutely, yeah. There's there is a huge and and w- another thing is similar to this world, you have your quote, quote unquote superstars, the, the the folks that you really look to 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 choreograph a dance. Mm-hmm. Then you have the folks, the, the superstars, the folks you look to to really teach the dance. And you have your superstars, the folks you look to that really can dance the dance. Mm-hmm. And those folks are well-known. Everybody wants them to attend the main events. So that's the draw. You bring those folks in, they teach their new dances, and you get it out there. And then another thing we also do is um, one of the organizations, every year in January, they have what we call the UC Star Awards. So they put all of our dances into a pot and and vote on them and say, okay, this is the best Midwest dance, this is the best East Coast dance, this is the best collaboration, that kind of thing. We call it the Academy Awards of Line Dancing. So, so folks, you know, this good and bad to it, but it becomes a competitive kind of thing, you know, and folks are 
putting stuff out there, trying to make it to the top and get their dance on the top and, and that, that type of thing. But at the end of the day, it's still all about fun, too. We, you don't want to take the fun out of it. Definitely. For, yeah. for the uninitiated, who are some of those superstars that we should be searching YouTube for that you would think uh, we could learn from or uh, who, who set a really good example for how to teach clearly, how to put together catchy dances that we would want to do, and also what are some of those dances? So that we I can tell you one of the, there's a group out of California, they're, I want to say new, they've been on the scene for a couple of years now, and I, I think they're on a roll in terms of getting dance, I think, you know, what they do is they get their dances to a wide variety audience. You know, some people teach dances or choreograph dances that are fun, exciting, but only advanced people can do it. But this group is called All, All Snap out of California. I, I will give them their props. They, they do dances that are catchy. And as a matter of fact, I think I did one yesterday in my power hour called Adios. Hmm. And um, we were in... I didn't teach it in the Power Hour, but they did one called All Snap uh, Freak. I also did Body Language in the, in the Power Hour. That's theirs, too. Um, we have a, a gentleman named Chris Blues, and he's probably the most sought-after DJ in, in our community. He's a, a DJ, choreographer, and a line dancer, so he kind of does it all. So he's a, a huge name. In terms of what I'll call difficult slash exciting slash energetic slash way out there kind of dance. There's a guy named Jerome Bentley that will put something together that'll just take you, blow your mind. Wow. And then um, Ed Williams is, is one of our top choreographers. We have another gentleman in the Philadelphia area named Ray Boyd. He's kind of smooth with what he brings to the table. Just s smooth and mellow and just hitting all the beats. Bam, bam, bam. So there's quite a few folks out there. And if I had to toot my own horn, I'd say I'm one of the most dynamic instructors out there in the line dance community. Having so. attended your class, I would definitely support that statement. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was an experience, definitely. Like, you got us moving and sweating and, and uh, working our hips. It was a lot of fun. I'm yeah. glad that I took that power hour. I'm glad you had an opportunity to experience what we do. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, in talking to Jen, you know, I give her, I have to give her props because when she called me several years ago, said, "Hey, Kenny, we would like you to come." I didn't know how this would go over, and and in, in all honesty, I think the first year it, there was a little bit of reluctancy, you know, between the, the different styles of dance. I think there were some people that wasn't ready for it yet. But I think as time evolved, I think it, it's growing more and more with the acceptance level. So people say, oh, you're okay. It's, that's not bad. I, I, I think a huge, one of the big differences in what we do in terms of soul line dancing versus what's done here, we are a, I want to I say loud, but we, we like to get involved and speak out and express ourselves, not just in the dance, but vocally. Yeah! who, Oh! And, and make noise. And, and the, the whole idea is to let yourself go. And, and one of the things I say is, you do you and I'll do me. So if you're on the dance floor and you want to make noise and swing your arm around, so be it. Let yourself go. Be you on the dance floor. I tell people... While we're all doing the same thing, we're all doing something different. And, and that's okay. Another thing I, I tell folks in my class, if I'm going right and you're going left, I'm backing up, you're going up, you're going forward, you're not wrong. You're different. And it's okay to be different. 
Not that I live by that. It is okay to be different. And once people get that in their mindset that they're different, it has nothing to do with that they're wrong. I like to think that will also take take that out of the line dance and put it in life in general, and they're going to be okay. You know, that's interesting that you mentioned that about like letting yourself go. Because I remember in wrestling, I've, uh, pro wrestling, I've heard that the best characters are the ones who are just being themselves but turned up to 11, like lo- larger than life, uh, louder than they would normally be. And when I see some of the, the dancers out there just fully getting into it, it looks like they're being themselves turned up to 11. Nobody's better or worse than anybody else in with the styling that they do or the flair that they add. They're just being so themselves that you could see it from across the room. And I love that. And, and that same point, when you look at that and you can see 10 or 20 or multiple people all doing that, you can. And, and case in point, um, I mentioned Ed Williams and, and I mentioned a guy named Ray Boyd and myself. We all dance with this group called Dave Bush Dancers. We all brought something different to the table. I always thought Ray Boyd was like the smoothest dancer you'd ever want to see. And Ed, he was like the technical. He hit every point. And me, I was the wildest dancer. So some people could say, oh, my God, Ed can outdance Kenny and Ray or Ray can outdance or whatever. But it was never we could outdance each other. We all brought something different to the table. But when we put us all together, it looked like, wow, look at them go. And you, you didn't know who the best dancer was. And same thing what you're saying. When you put all those people out there and they're all doing themselves and they're into it and they're enjoying themselves, you don't know who the best dancer is. You know, wow, those people are having fun. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Now, if people had follow-up questions for you, what's the best way that someone could get in contact with you? My website is www.iamkennyj.com. Com. And then I also have a IAKJP Facebook page. And then my email address, if anyone wanted to get in touch with me uh, directly, is imkennyj at comcast.net. Okay, and a couple of final questions. If there is something that you could put out almost like on a virtual billboard, just something that everybody in the Lion Dance community could see and then just kind of think about or maybe take, take some kind of action on, maybe something they could consider in their own daily life, What's a message that you would want to be out there for us all to look at? I think it goes back to what I was talking about. Um, you're going to get the dance. The only difference between you and I is when you get it. You're going to learn to dance. The difference is when you're going to get it. The eventuality is we all get to dance. You might take a week to get it. You might take a month. She might take a year. But you're going to get the dance. Don't give up. Hang in there. You do you and I'll do me, but you're going to get the dance. All right. And one final question. What is one dance that you would recommend everyone learn right now? The dance that I would recommend everyone to learn right now. Wow, that's a tough question because there are a lot of dancers out there. And every week my favorite dance changes because someone. But I think an exciting dance out there. And I'm going to go with a dance, hmm, that's a tough question, I would probably go with a dance called All Snap Freak. That's an exciting dance, it's fun. It's from the the group I mentioned out in California, All Snap. I I think folks would see that dance and say, oh, that's fun, I like that. 
There was another dance a couple of years ago. We brought it here. It was called STL No Limit. Oh, I've seen that, that one. Yeah. That was an exciting one. There was another dance we brought here maybe last year. It was called Pac-Man. That's an, so, so you asked me for one dance, and I'm about to give you a list of them. So, sure. So there, there are a multitude of dances out there that what I look at is the ease of learning it and at the same time the enthusiasm done when doing the dance. Those particular dances I named, people are enthused about doing them, they're exciting, and they're not that hard to learn. So Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the podcast today. My pleasure, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have this opportunity to share my thoughts on line dancing with you. I'll see you on the dance floor. Thank you.